Hey, it's Alana. And Katie. And you're listening to another episode of Black and Yellow. Woo! Welcome back, Black and Yellow Nation. We hope that you are still recovering from a double or triple whammy February. We had Black History Month. We had Chinese New Year's. We had Mardi Gras. And if you are an East Coast listener, you survived a huge fucking massive storm and uh, another month of the pandemic, which means that you are an extra bad badass. Thank Mm. you guys so much for coming back. Uh, If you are a return listener, welcome back. I'm stoked to have you back and in your eardrums. And if you are a new listener, please feel free to subscribe to the show if you enjoy what you hear. We would like to keep connecting with you. So whether you are a new listener or an OG listener, this episode might feel slightly new and different for you. After three years of being of podcasting together, Jacqueline has decided to take a step back from the show to focus on her family's delicious vegan food business, a new focus in education, uh, among other changes in her life. And uh, during this process behind the scenes, we have been working tirelessly to find a great replacement for Jackie. And uh, we've got a couple of great options coming up for you. The first option is on with us today, and she will be on with us for the next four weeks, which actually works out pretty perfectly because uh, I know a couple of you listeners have reached out to us on Instagram or via email and have really been wanting us to do a deep dive into education. So you're in luck because we got someone who is all up into the education world. She is edumacated and she's fabulous. And so she's going to be spending the next four weeks with us here discussing everything from whether or not we should go to college, standardized racism. I mean, standardized testing, Where are all the women in STEM? You know, we're getting into all of these great topics. Uh, She and I have been working behind the scenes to make these next four episodes thought-provoking and interesting, and she's been a treat to work with. I hope that you guys enjoy her as much as I do. Okay, I will stop teasing, and I will shut up and bring her on Katie, welcome to the Black and Yellow Podcast. Hey, hey. Excited to be here. (laughs) I'm super happy to have you. I know our listeners are also happy to have you here as well. This is sort of a unique position you're in because Mm -hmm. you're not only hosting, but you're also kind of a guest. You've got your feet in two different worlds. Mm -hmm. So for this episode, please introduce yourself to our listeners. We want to know more about you. Yeah. Hey, Black and Yellow Nation. I'm Katie. I'm a Korean-American transracial adoptee, which means I'm Korean and I was adopted into a white family. Privilege. I grew up (laughs) in the Seattle area. So, you know, Starbucks, Boeing, Microsoft, Yay STEM, Fifty Shades of Grey, Grey's Anatomy, Twilight, Seahawks, you know, all the fun stuff. I have a degree in social work and a master's degree in cultural studies. I've been a college advisor for almost six years uh, in the community and technical college realm, primarily advising STEM, business, and healthcare. And you can also throw in undecided majors. Um, And I would say my job also involves a lot of equity inclusion work. 
uh, for the campus and also the state of Washington. I am a representative for the state of Washington uh, on what's called the Multicultural Student Services Directors Council. We host the annual Students of Color Conference. We do policy for all 34, 36, I can't remember, wow. colleges in the state. Wow. And I'm a big Disney geek and the host of the Wonderful World of Disney Villains podcast, where I talk to myself about the social identities and oppressions of Disney animated characters, specifically <laughs> villains. And um, I guess to wrap it all up, I'm a mom to two dogs and a baby. So you basically have a lot of free time on your hands. Oh, yeah. Obviously. So much free time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I checked out Katie's podcast. Full disclosure, uh, she and I sort of connected over this love of Disney villains. I love a Disney villain mm -hmm. way more than I have ever loved a Disney princess. I just find that Disney villains uh, stories are so much more interesting. Mm -hmm. So I will drop links to Katie's episodes to her podcast in the show notes so you could get to know her better through this show. And also, if you like what you hear, go check out her show. Yes. All right. Please. So, um, I said it before, I'll say it again. I really have enjoyed working with Katie and planning this month, and we hope that you enjoy listening. If you're feeling Katie as a host and you want her to stick around, please reach out to us either via the gram at Black and Yellow Podcast or reach out to us via email, podcastblackandyellow at gmail.com. I would love to know your thoughts. She would love to know your thoughts. I want to know how you're feeling about this change. Um, Jack and I have taken a lot of careful measures to bring you a great replacement for Jackie. And we are taking it as our goal to even during this time of transition and of change to still bring you thought provoking episodes that make you feel seen, that make you feel validated and interested and interesting and um, hopefully bring some new ways of thinking to the table. So Please bear with us. Uh, we realize that change is always, is not often the easiest thing. We are trying to make this change. That is we, the collective, we, myself, Katie, Jackie, we are all trying to make this change as painless and as smooth as possible. I know that is a tall order when it comes to change, uh, but please bear with us and we hope to bring you a couple of great new episodes and to have a new co-host for you guys on the sooner end. So again, please bear with us. We love you guys so much. And uh, we are on to black and yellow, the next generation. And with that, let's talk topic. Shall we, Katie? Yes. So when you hopped on board to do this month of shows, we began to brainstorm topic ideas. The question of is college necessary or asked another way, do I really need to go to college mm -hmm. came up uh, nearly immediately because I don't know about you, Katie, but for me, that question was never really a question that I realized was a question I was allowed to ask myself. Did that make any sense? Or did I just say question a bunch of times? Over you said and over it a bunch over. of times, but that's cool. I understand what you meant. <laughs> we all got it. Okay, perfect. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I just think that growing up, the topic of college was always spoken of in, in my house in a way that suggested it was not a question. Totally. Yeah. And even in high school, it was not a question. They were specifically yeah. preparing you for college, nothing sure. else. Sure. And I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I 
have been that far out of college or high school. Um, so it should be still pretty relevant. Thanks, um, but Katie, yeah, and real old. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I I feel old with now that I'm a mom. So I mean, I don't know, but fair. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's funny and why it was brought up immediately when we were talking is that as a college advisor, this conversation and this question comes up all the time, which is funny because they're already in college mm. and they'll be taking classes and they'll be like, is college really right for me? Is this something that I really need? And even parents will be like, my student's not doing too well. Is this something that they really need? Mm. So it comes up all the time, which is kind of funny because for us, it didn't come up at all. Yeah, for sure. I also think full disclosure, anyone who's listening, who's like, yeah, Katie, you're Korean American. Yeah, Alana, you're a black American. You guys, you guys are both female. Of course, college was mm-hmm. going to be a thing. College are, is a tenant of both of our cultures. And let's be real, both of our genders, the the yep. idea of going to college is just something that is so deeply ingrained, I think, in women. Mm-hmm. It's also really deeply ingrained in the Asian American community, for the, for the African American community as well. It is something that we don't really question because it's something that we're pretty much told from a very young age, go to college. It's, it's going to help make you successful and it's going to make you more money or. It's going to strip any- you from all of those oppressions and barriers in life. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why this question apparently was never a question for us, but is a question for other people. And if you, a listener of ours are having this question, if you're wondering college, yay or nay, is it for me? And you have the luxury of asking yourself that. Because I do believe it is that. I do believe it is a luxury to be able to wonder that question aloud. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, this episode is for you. Or if you're a parent of a potential college student and you're wondering if college is right for your kid, this episode also is for you. For sure. You don't have to go <laughs> to that college advisor and be like, I know you're not allowed to talk to me because I'm not the student. Yes. But I'm still going to talk to you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, so that's the topic today. College, yay or nay? Is it necessary? Is it for you? That is what we're talking about today. But first, let's put our money where our mouth is. Shall we, KK? Mm-hmm. So if you are a new listener, this is our small business segment where we are going to spotlight a Black-owned business and an Asian-owned business because we believe in economic protest. If you were out in the streets protesting and you want to keep your voice heard, a great way to do that is with your dollars. I like to say the way that you spend is an everyday form of economic protest. Yes. And we want to help you guys be as armed and financially dangerous as possible. Ooh, so, I like that. Yeah. Ooh, do you? Okay, yeah. I'm keeping it. Katie, what you got? Yeah, so as a Korean American and an adoptee, I have gone through a lot of phases in my life where I crave to learn about my culture, my heritage, my language, um, all these things. And so in college, I took Korean language classes and I can read the Korean alphabet, but I don't necessarily know what it means anymore, um, which is really upsetting. And now that I'm a mom and I have a son who's growing Uh. up, I want him to have the same or more opportunities to be bilingual, to know his roots, to know his family history, uh, to know all about like the traditions, the holidays, the foods, um, all of those things. And so I came across Tiger Boom Creative, 
which is mm. a fun and supportive way for kids and their entire family to learn Korean regardless of their identity and language mastery. Um, so Katie, and I'm going to totally butcher her last name, Katamater, I'm assuming. Sounds good to me. Yeah, is the founder and CEO of Tiger Boom Creative. She is also a Korean adoptee. All of these adoptees named Katie. Hey. And before uh, Tiger Boom Creative, she was an illustrator and designer for corporate apparel like Hollister, mm. Jimbury, and others. Uh, so very, very high end. Uh, yeah. Katie found Tiger Boom Creative after she found very few resources to teach her own son, both have sons, Korean, and at affordable prices without the exporting across the country and all that mm. fun pricing mm -hmm. so tiger boom creative uh includes books stickers printouts coloring pages blocks puzzles and more written in the korean alphabet and in english with explanations on how to pronounce the korean words oh yeah so i'm totally buying all of it <laughs> oh i also love a good accidental entrepreneurship story mm -hmm. i feel like that happens a lot in our respective creative or cultural groups because I think when it comes to minority-owned businesses, you know, um, we start them because we need them. It's a service or a product that is not available to us, mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, opening a cafe or a yoga studio, because, like, no shade to cafes and yoga studios, but, like, do we really need another one? Um, I don't think we need <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Personally. <laughs> but I actually like that you chose something that is... Um, that allows mother and child or father and child or parent and child to learn side by side, because I also had a similar choice for my small business. Uh, my small business is called Sense to Sense. That is Sense, S-E-N-S-E, -E, the number two and Sense, C-E-N-T-S. So a little backstory. A few years ago, I got really into financial literacy. Uh, it was a goal of mine, I would say, about two years ago to get financially literate. And while I still have a ways to go, admittedly. Me too. I, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a journey, financial literacy. I have been thinking about the ways that in the Black community, we don't really talk about financial health and literacy. Or if we do, it's uh, we speak about financial uh, understanding in a way that's like, you spent money, you have less money, you earned money, you put it in the bank. And saving money, that's a good way of handling money. And that's sort of where the financial education kind of ends. But in terms of being financially literate and understanding how money works, and more importantly, how it can work for you, uh, that's not really talked about too, too much. Thus, enter Sense to Sense. Sense to Sense is a company that produces financial literacy board games, books, flashcards, t-shirts, and more for kids. Mm. Sense to Sense is here to change the way that you deposit financial freedom to your children. So Sense to Sense was started by Ashley Clark in 2018. And she demonstrates her knack for all things finance. And so she's really passionate about providing financial literacy for children. She utilizes innovative ways that are not only educational, but also highly entertaining, thus fostering healthy learning habits for children. She ensures that kids do not view learning as a chore, that's important, mm -hmm. but as an exciting activity to look forward to. And so prior to Sense to Sense, she dedicated her time to helping women with their finances. Shock and awe. Love that. Mm -hmm. 
Most of her clients wish that they had acquired such knowledge when they were younger. I would definitely put myself in that category. Me too. Uh, There you go. Uh, With that came Ashley's decision to provide age-appropriate learning materials for children. She hopes that parents and children would learn side by side. And she established the leading edge for financial literacy brand in 2018. And so just for clarity's sake, we're all doing this remote learning thing. This is a great opportunity to have fun with learning. I mean, you're stuck teaching your kids anyways. Why not make it fun and engaging? <laughs> I'm, I'm just being real. Yeah. Like, make it fun. Make it engaging. Take it off of the screen. Put it into a board game. Put it into a flashcard. And look, if you're a millennial like me who is who felt like they didn't have a financial education, it's never too late and you can learn with your child. I think that's a great way of learning. I'm doing that. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, learning side by side. We're never too old. Also, your kids are never too young to start learning about money. Just saying. Their uh, products are for kids, I think, as young as under the age of 10. Oh, okay. That's important. <laughs> I'm looking into it. So I will put links to both of these companies in the show notes, but let's get back to our episode, shall we? Yes. I think a good place to start is to talk about our personal college experiences. I've touched on mine a little bit uh, in the past in episodes. I'm going to hand it over to you. What was your college experience like and how did you find your way there? Um, Yeah, you know, that's a great question. (laughs) I'm trying to remember my college experience. Um, Actually, to start with with the financial literacy, when you were saying all that, I don't remember learning any of that in high school or college. Yeah. And so I'm like, what are we teaching kids only to apply for yes. college and not to be able to be a functional human being? But that's such a great point because you're right. Think about how many people have come through. You would understand this. Think about how many people out in the world have PhDs and mm-hmm. masters and have done extensive post-college uh, education training, but yet don't understand how money works can't have a logical conversation about race and racism. Oh my God, yes. Even though you have a head full of facts and figures for STEM, like the the basic building blocks, I think, of humanity, we have to also teach students, not just what, not just the information that they need to do a job that's high paying, hopefully, that they get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, I guess, one of the things that we maybe will touch on later is these conversations that I've been having trying to talk to STEM faculty about the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion work and how it pertains to their classrooms in Mm. STEM. Yeah. Anyway, that's not my (laughs) college experience. That is my students' college experience. My college experience, I actually did AP classes because my school was very forceful about it. They were like, hey, everybody, come to this um, assembly where we're going to talk about AP credits and how great it is to take AP classes wrong not so great for me um yeah I learned that I did not want to study for an entire school year to take this final I would much rather you know shorten it up do my chapter quizzes like every other student Mm -hmm. and so even when I busted my butt I only got a two on my AP test which means I got no credit and I paid $80 for nothing so then the next year I 
mm-hmm. makes you feel stupid too. Like when you yeah. study that long. And I got an A in that class. Dude, that's the worst. That is the like, actual. What is this? That's terrible for your confidence. Any any person at any age, that's awful. Yeah, and back then I didn't really know that the model minority myth was a bad thing. And uh, so I was like, look at me. I'm such a failed Asian. Got, oh. <sighs> but I didn't actually, I wasn't too down on myself about it. But yeah, that, I was thinking that. And I'm got sure it. others have thought of it before. But yeah. So that's an episode for I sure. I did Running Start. Got it. Ah, mm-hmm. I know what that is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did the dual credits. I was half, I was one foot in high school, one foot in college. So I'd go to the high school to do my electives and my like after school activities. So I was like on step team and I was the track manager and others. And then I would go to college and I would take classes. And I also worked at the college. It was my first job. Um, so, 6 a.m. I'd start working at the gym at the college and I would just be in charge of playing music and then I'd go to class at 8 a.m. and then I would go to the high school um, and I loved that schedule. Yeah, I knew, I get that. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it was like two hours of classes at the college for two classes mm. or yeah and then two classes at the high school two hours each day because it was a block schedule And I was like, I can do this. This is great. And I get to talk to all my friends still and I get to be independent and I'm getting college class, college credit and I'm only paying like $10 or something. I mean, Mm. it was different then. It's like a hundred or $200 now, but back then it was like cheaper. (laughs) So like I paid like maybe more like $50. It's like you robbed the bank for that. But I was like, I got 10 college credits in three months. Versus five credits in a year that I did not get that I was told I would get. And so I was like, I love this. And I stayed an extra year. I got my associate's degree, went straight from there to UW, uh, University of Washington, which in Washington State is kind of like the Harvard of Washington State. Got it. Yeah. It's like everybody says, oh, you can't get into that school. You can't get into it. You have to have a 4.0. Not true. But that's not what we're here to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, for another day (laughs) yeah but i don't actually fully remember like how i got there Hmm. uh running start getting into running start is a very different process than getting into a university got it um and community college just for everybody out there community college is real college don't say it's not because that hurts my feelings i get that i totally get that absolutely yeah yeah yeah, for sure um so i remember having to look up the University of Washington credits and compare it to the credits I was taking at my community college and making sure that it would transfer Mm. and looking at like the admissions process and like when the deadlines were. And I think it was just my mom and I doing all of this. And I was like, I'm going to major in social work because I want to help people and I don't want to do accounting. I don't want to be a doctor. I want to do any of those like stereotypical Asian things. And I don't Mm want to work with numbers. So I'm going to help people. That was how I decided my major. And so I'm going to help people. And social work is a way that I can do that and feel good about myself and get paid for it. Um, So I did that. Um, I actually really liked that experience. But that was also because of the program social work, not because Uh, of college as a whole. Got it. Um, Because the social work program had or tried to include every possible identity in their program that they could which is probably stereotypical in that process now that I'm thinking about it yeah but it was really informative for me because we had an entire class on facilitation where all we did was have facilitated discussions about race class 
um, all the isms mm. from all yep. of our different unique perspectives, mm-hmm. which was really like unique and eye opening for me being like a, I was probably like 20 and yeah. from a white suburban town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, oh my God. That's an eye opener for yeah, you for sure. It was, it was a huge, huge eye opener. Um, and then I stumbled into being a college advisor. I literally applied for multiple jobs. The college advisor one was the only one that called me back for an interview. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I, I stumbled into it. Um, huh. And then later I decided I was going to go back to school and I did the whole research process, talk, uh, looked into how, what major would I do, what degree right. would I do. And to be honest, I kind of partially, mostly decided on cultural studies because I didn't have to take the GRE test. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to take a test that tests me on my ability to do English and math when this program does not require math. Thank you for your honesty. That is very, very funny. But I and I understand that. I um, Like I've said on the show before, I went to college for acting. I'm an actor. I... Uh, I went to an arts high school. Okay. So what, hearing you talk about AP classes, AP classes were definitely offered, but because my high school was an arts high school, the college selection process was high on the uh, arts factor. Mm, so you had a okay. lot of people looking into going into conservatories for all the musicians. It was like Berkeley School of Music was the oh, chubacabra. You couldn't get away from it. Um, and so things like the... ACTs or the or AP classes. I think I took AP English, but that was pretty much it. There wasn't a huge push for uh, APs or things of that nature because the big push was to get into schools that were that had creative validation, mm. like the like the the schools that had high success rates of performers. So gotcha. that was sort of my world so I didn't really pay too too much attention to APs and studying for them uh hardcore we will talk about standardized testing in our next episode Mm because I definitely have something to say about that um but I ended up going so I went to Ithaca College and that is a school way 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 in upstate New York and I found myself there because I am an only child and I knew that I wanted to be an actor. And I there's really only two places to be taken seriously as an actor within the United States. Mm-hmm. That is here, Los Angeles, with, mm-hmm. because it is so close to Hollywood, or New York. Yep. And that is for people that want to be on Broadway, the great white way. Oh, I and... love Broadway. <laughs> not yeah, Broadway, I'm not super, uh, not super jazzed on it. I do wonder what? about the... Oh, we can have a separate conversation. We will. We will. Totally different day. But yeah, (laughs) I do worry about where, how Broadway is going to survive the pandemic, but I will not uh, get off track with that. Mm. I ended up choosing Ithaca College because I wanted something that was totally different from the life I experienced here in Los Angeles. So I wanted to experience snow. I wanted to live on the East Coast. I wanted Mm. to live 
in a, a, a much smaller town coming from a massive city. And so I got all of those things uh, with attending Ithaca. I also, the thing that cemented the deal for me was uh, an inside look program that was specific for minority students oh. where the school would fly you out. They would put you up in a dorm room with a student of color who was in the major that I was looking to go into. So oh. I was actually paired with a great actress named Jillian, who is African-American, is currently working a lot now. And for the week, you essentially shadow a student. And hmm. I was able to experience what my theater department was like and what the uh, faculty was like and what the uh, curriculum was like. And then also just the the feeling on campus. That's I awesome. Think Thank you. I think sometimes when you look at breakdowns of things like race and gender, they don't necessarily give you uh, the best insight into yeah. what the college culture is like. So a, a program like that that I realized only later is only offered to minority students to try and diversify. I can't speak for all schools, but I know for my particular school, it was trying to diversify. So Inside Look was something that minority students were uh very much encouraged to attend and thank god i did because i loved it and it ended up cementing the deal for me for ithaca college but all that said i went to school to be an actor y'all like i have not put my <laughs> college degree to work since graduating because when you go into an audition no one's like oh you graduated from college let me see that college diploma for this Burger King commercial like that doesn't happen. <laughs> Let me see um, where you got your degree from. Exactly. <laughs> well, right, and it's and again, like that that validates the reason for this particular episode because when you sort of put education out like that, and you're able to look back in hindsight and go, "Oh wait, I went to school to be an actor. Did I really need to spend sixty k per semester? Ooh. No, probably not. You know, that's and too much." And so and so I which is why I feel like this conversation is really, really necessary, because if you are in a boat like mine where you want a creative field, acting, music, visual Any arts, performing, performing type of field. Yeah. Like, is college really something that you need? I'm going to just go out and give you a taste of the end of this episode right now. My answer is nah. <laughs> But I'll leave it there for the moment <laughs> and uh, get into some statistics. So let's just talk about general college enrollment, shall we? Mm -hmm. So as of May 2020, the enrollments, the overall college enrollment rate for 18 to 24-year-olds increased from 35% in 2000 to 41% in 2018. In 2018, the college enrollment rate was higher for 18 to 24-year-olds who were Asian. That's at about 59%. Then for 18 to 24-year-olds who were white, they rang in at about 42%. African-Americans came in at about 37%. And Hispanics came in at about 36%. And the source for this statistic comes from the National Center for Education Statistics. So that's a little bit of the general racial breakdown of who is going into college. But I think when we talk about college, when our parents tell us we have to go to college, there's definitely signifiers behind that college degree. Uh, when people talk about needing a, a, a college degree for a particular job or a prerequisite is going to college 
what do those people mean? Why is a college degree quote unquote necessary? We're going to talk through a couple of these signifiers and what a college degree signifies to the outside world. Now, let me just put this in perspective. This is a general assumption of how people think of those that attend college with college degrees. In no way, shape, or form is this a valid uh, representation of everyone who has gone to college. Like, that's not entirely true. But when we hear that someone has a college degree or has attended college, we assume that this person has a commitment to learning and one's ability and aptitude to learn is higher, quicker, faster, better than someone who maybe didn't go to college. We assume that a college-educated person is quote-unquote smarter, whatever that means. Mind you, smart can mean, I think in this case, smart means book smart. But don't count out street smarts, which you don't necessarily learn in college, but are really important, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that being street smart, that pound for pound is more important than being book smart. You got to know but where that $1 ice cream is on campus. Yes. <laughs> or you have to know how to read a room or you have to know how to assess a situation to uh, get what you want out of it. And sometimes having that interpersonal, those interpersonal skills, you don't learn those in a textbook. You don't learn those sitting in a classroom. You learn those because you experience them. We hope. Well, exactly, exactly. We, <laughs> hope, we hope. We also assume that if you have a college, edu- uh, a college degree that you're wiser and more insightful. And also we assume that a college degree is a... Uh, predetermined uh, measure of success. If you have a college degree, we assume you are going to be successful. We assume that you are more prepared for life. We assume you are more mature. We assume that you are more fit for a job than someone who doesn't have a college degree. And we also assume that you have a practiced work ethic. I think some of these assumptions are bogus, Mm -hmm. personally. So many examples of why it's bogus. (laughs) Yeah. And it makes you wonder like, okay, how did we get here that a college degree has signified this much, even though this world is, we just came off of a presidential administration where our former president was like a C minus D plus student. I do think it's (laughs) worth mentioning that a lot of people who hold positions of power, a lot of them are college educated, but in just as equal amount of them are not college educated and right. are still successful. Mm-hmm. Just saying, do you run across this in your line of work? So I would imagine parents bring these uh, worries to you more than a student. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, coming in with their student or calling me trying to pretend to be the student being like, so. Wait, um, Wait what? Yeah, so uh, something that maybe some people don't know is that we do catch a lot of parents who pretend to be their student via the student email or other. Um, Yeah, because they want answers and we can't give them answers. We can only talk to the student because of confidentiality. Um, So they will pretend to be the student. It happens a lot, uh, especially with younger students. Um, But yeah, it's a thing. And sometimes it's harmless. Um, you know, it's just like 
yeah, you're telling me that you, you know, you and your child are registering for these classes. Yeah. I don't have to give you any information about the child. Um, but then they'll be like, well, what about this? Or I want to do this. I meaning, you know, the mom or the dad or other guardian in place of the student, but trying to make it seem like the student wants it too. My mind is completely blown. And I think it's blown because my mom was very active in my college education. Like she would call and follow up with my advisors, Mm -hmm. but she would just call as my mom (laughs) and make it very clear that she has an education background. So she's calling to make sure I'm on track. Oh, and I get those too um, from like uh, parents who are professors or teachers or other. But yeah, um, pretty much everybody else. No. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Because we can't, huh. I mean, we would be like, you know, you need to sign a FERPA waiver or some kind of other form saying that the student gives you permission, which is also Got flawed it. because the parent would just then say, sign this so I can mm. turn it into your registration office. I understand that. I understand that. I understand that. Okay. Got it. All that said, I, I do, it's 2021. Like, why are we still giving college degrees so much levity Mm. if and i'm talking about that outside of of obvious subjects if you're a doctor if you're a lawyer if you're an accountant if you're these a business person these you're a college advisor you should have college experience (laughs) i understand why certain college degrees are incredibly beneficial for certain lines of work but i do feel like we tell all of our students writ large regardless of what field of work they want to go into you Mm -hmm. need a college degree and i think that is flawed oh yeah i do too yeah and i come across it almost every day with different students who will say well i want to go into this automotive thing and all they Mm -hmm. require is a high school diploma and an apprenticeship Mm. or I want to go into cosmetology and do hair, which requires me to do this, you know, specific workforce related program or Mm -hmm. certificate or other or esthetician or other. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's lots of other avenues too. college education is not everything. And that's coming from me with a master's degree. (laughs) And I think that's important to, to, to say and for people to hear because if you can put yourself back in your shoes when you were going into college, mm-hmm. I am doing my very best mentally to do the same thing. You have a lot less perspective on the world. And so the only perspective that you kind of have is school and what you learned there and, uh, pl- you know, your parents telling you to plan for a productive life or a life that that will make you successful. Mm-hmm. And it's and all signs point and all roads point to college and the Mm -hmm. college degree. And we're very reticent to talk about the downsides of going to college or what not having a college degree might say about you. Right. Because as fucked up as the assumptions about what having a college degree says about someone, I think what not having a college degree signifies in our society is also equally as detrimental Mm -hmm. uh people who don't have a college degree what does that signify to the world well some people are viewed as not as quote qualified for jobs or that you're not as serious about work or your work ethic as your college attending counterparts you might also lack self-confidence which can ultimately affect your decision or ability to chase success in a world that puts 
attending college and getting a college degree on a pedestal. I think mm-hmm. that is the signifier that breaks my heart the most. Yeah, it's always um, put in front of experience. Always. Or passion. Mm-hmm. Or the, the wanting to be there. Like we don't value we don't validate and value those things nearly as much as a college degree. But quite frankly, I'd rather have someone who doesn't have a college degree that's passionate about fly fishing and wants to fly fish for the rest of their lives and wants to be an Olympic fly fisher and wants to make the best fly fishing gear possible. Mm-hmm. I would rather have that person all day than someone who went to college and is like, yeah, fly fishing. I could take it or leave it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) And I think that the lack of confidence breaks my heart because we know, like, once you get out into the world post-college, it's a rough and tumble place. And you need all of the self-esteem and all of the self-confidence you can have, you can muster, you can Mm -hmm. hang on to. And not having a college degree should not be a reason that that one does not feel like they are confident or able to accomplish their dreams. I agree. And I feel like it's probably I felt like it was more stressful having a college degree and then trying to find a job. Wait, speak on that. I hadn't even thought about that. So like literally right out of college, I was like, oh, great. Now I have to find a job. And not every college degree program teaches you, you know, or connects you to your community to, or even like how to do a job application, how to do a resume. Like my high school didn't even teach me that. They were like, here, write a resume for your graduation, but they didn't tell me how or show me. Oh, great. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just copy, you know, my parents. Sure. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. And so then I applied to like, you know, everything that is related to social work, which, you know, is everything technically. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just waiting to hear back, not knowing what to expect in an interview process, not knowing how to dress for an interview, um, not knowing like how to advocate for myself, how to use experiences to tell my story in my interview to like provide evidence that I can do certain things. And a lot of my friends um, had the same issue, but I feel like I, I don't want to say I was more successful at this transition, but I feel like I was more successful at this transition. It's cool, bro. Um, toot your horn. Toot toot. Yeah. Well, I so like one of my friends or a couple of my friends graduated with like degrees in history or poli sci uh, or political science or um, drama or music or, or other or communications even. And a lot of them really struggled to find psychology was another one um, to find jobs. And they always ended up being like a Starbucks barista mm-hmm. with a bachelor degree, you know, yeah. like, not yeah. where you would anticipate you would be. And some of them are actually still sure. in similar capacities. Sure. You know, I feel that uh, I was an actress coming out of college. I graduated in the 2008 financial crisis mm. or the recession, whatever you want to call it. And jobs were not flush. And there were definitely people in my class coming out of college going, why the fuck did I even do this? Mm-hmm. Like this, this, this path to success that our parents told us, go to college, you will be successful. But didn't necessarily mention possibly being saddled with student debt. Right. That could be very difficult to pay off. I'm really so lucky difficult. that I didn't come out of school with student debt. I'm incredibly lucky for that every day. But knowing really qualified people who are very smart, who are saddled with student debt and 
how that can impact their career choices and their life. Yeah. And, and I feel like the, like, um, the financial part of college is talked about when you have, when you're forced to deal with it. Oh yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Like no one is asking the potential college student as a freshman or a sophomore or a junior, Hey, how much are you looking to spend on college? Yes. How much student debt are you willing to take on? We don't ask potential college kids that. We they ask don't them even where think to... about it. No. We ask them where they want to go to college. And then if mm-hmm. the answer isn't to our standard, we're like, oh, no, no, no. You want to go to Harvard. Do I have Harvard <laughs> money? Like, like, like uh, that happens all that the time. Cruel. I think that's cruel, personally. Yeah, no, I mean, in so we don't have a deadline to be accepted to our college. Oh, yeah, which is a community and technical college thing, at least in Washington State, um, because we are accessible and we are flexible and we are accepting of all, mm-hmm. supposedly, right? Sure. Uh, depending on the college, and um, so I will have students coming in, you know, the day classes start. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, great, this is your one-on-one orientation because that's how we do it at my uh, college. And I will ask them, have you thought about how you're going to pay for tuition? And they will go, hmm, silence. Yeah. I'm like, you know, classes start today. And you haven't thought about tuition at like mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> like maybe I'll apply for financial aid. Okay. Um, do you know what that entails? You know, have you thought about like the student debt or the loan versus grant scholarship? Do you know how long it takes to process financial aid? A month, in case you were wondering. Uh, unless you have a really, really fast financial aid department, but I highly doubt it. Not bashing on them, but they're overworked. No, no, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but I mean, you he- I hear all that and I just, I can imagine the potential college student on the receiving end of all that questioning going, no one ever told me this. Exactly. You know, we, we, we talk about college as if it's something that everyone should attend and it is a prerequisite for success. But no one is talking about the real life implications of college debt and how to pay for it mm-hmm. and how quickly you can realistically finish college. Because not all majors are created equal. Some are yes. two years, some are three, some are four, some are six. Yes. You know, we don't tell our kids this. And it's it's. It's setting them up for heartbreak yes. before they even have a chance to fall in love. Yeah, totally. And it's also the social aspect is really big for a lot of students where they're like, I don't want to take a gap where or a break. I want to go all the way through because my friends are here. My friends yeah. are in this stage of life and I yeah. want to follow. I don't want to be behind I don't want to finish necessarily before them. I don't want to finish necessarily after them. I want us all to be together to the end. Yeah, moving through life at the same stage and pace. I understand that. That's Mm -hmm. very human, for sure. I think something else that uh, really breaks my heart in terms of people who, who, who don't have college degrees and what that quote unquote signifies is that a non-college degree holder is not necessarily always looked at as intellectually valuable as compared to their college attending counterparts. Yes. We assume if you have come through college, you are smart, you are intellectually capable of a lot, and we don't extend that same 
assumption to non-college attendees. But again, to be clear, you can be intellectually more valuable mm-hmm. than your non-college attending counterparts. Just because you went to college don't make you smart. For the record, right? I went to school with a lot of dim college kids with meh work <laughs> ethics. Just saying. Well, Just you saying. can kind of like outsmart the system too. Because if you, we were talking about this yeah. before, if you skim and paraphrase everything, you're not retaining that knowledge and information. Sure. So yeah. you're literally leaving college with this degree that you really don't know anything about because you didn't put the work in. Yeah. Definitely, for sure. I uh, I think about my fiance who didn't go to college, who was never fit for college. He knew he didn't want to go to college, and he is an incredibly smart man and a business owner to boot. And you don't have to go to college for that. Yeah, my cousin is in the same boat. I think I think he got his GED, mm-hmm. and then he started working for this business, and he was going on all these like world trips, and he was making like seventy k out of the like right out of the get go and up. That ain't bad. <sighs> I was so jelly. I was like, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure. It sounds like your cousin hit that goddamn jackpot Mm -hmm. and didn't go to college. No one tells us that you can do that. So for anyone who's listening, who's like, "Uh, can I make a lot of money and not go to college? Yeah. Yeah. You can. Totally. Um, I know that you also have a good point that I do want to get to about willingness to commit and work. Mm hmm. Yeah. So. Basically, I feel like a lot of people who say like, you know, oh, what, where'd you go to college or do you have a college degree? And they say, oh, I don't have a college degree. I didn't go to college. And then all of a sudden people start to think like, why did you not go to college? Did you, were you just not willing to commit to spending two, four, six years to pursue a college education? Could you not financially afford it? Were you just, you know, wanting to be lazy and you didn't want to do the work? You just wanted to join the workforce and like skip, which is totally fine, I think, mm-hmm. but other people do not. So yeah, Yeah. that was something that kind of popped up in my head is just not assuming that the the individuals are not willing to put in the work to pursue an education, which is totally not true. Um, A lot of people who don't do education, it's because, or who do want to do education, but can't is because of, you know, financial reasons, student debt, work, family. Um, A lot of my students have like three kids and trying to balance that plus working full time plus going to school is Ooh, insane. I don't know how they do it. Oh my god. Yeah, no, I feel that. I agree with you 100%. I um I think when it comes to judging people about not going to college, that is so 2000, by the way. Like, <laughs> I think it's very strange to judge someone cuz they didn't go to college. And I think that now with the pandemic, I think is also a really great reminder that, yes, people might want to attend college and financially can't. Mm-hmm. People are going to be financially rebuilding because of the the economic devastation that the pandemic has caused so many people Oh yeah, for years to come. And even those people who want to go to college and who have a strong work ethic and are incredibly smart, but just can't make college happen financially, that's going to be more and more of a reality in the next one to five years until mm-hmm. our uh, our economic system essentially re- uh, rebounds, bounces back, however you want to look at it. it better be beyond pandemic. a rebound, that's for sure. Let's hope. Let Fingers crossed, <laughs> <laughs> Katie, from your lips to God's ears, let's hope. But, um, I mean, if, if audiences have questions about that, I mean, you can always reach out to me too because there are different resources 
um, specifically to like housing, food, shelter, um, like mental health um, and other uh, even like there uh, there's like lawyers and other, you know, for people who are in need of it mm. at colleges. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ever have questions about that before you enroll or before you think about enrolling, you can always ask me too. I'm just saying like Katie is a podcast host. She could also be your personal college advisor if you are having questions and feel like you can't go to mom and dad or that you don't have a friend to bounce this off of. Just I'm saying. here you for get, you. You got Katie. You got the Black and Yellow podcast. I'm just saying, Black and Yellow Nation, like, we we, we have resources here for you. Um, well, let's talk about college attendance. Okay. I want to break it down into minority college attendance, because, hello, this is Black and Yellow, mm-hmm. and gender college attendance. So let's actually break yes. this down by minorities first. So enrollment rates among white to among white 18 to 24 year olds uh, surpasses those of black and Hispanics. I don't think that that is a shock to anyone. Blacks about 34%, Hispanic the same, 42% white. No shock. Asians, y'all kick our asses in education. (laughs) Higher enrollment rates, higher enrollment rates at more selective schools and Ivy League colleges. But I have a question about that. Yeah. Does this include international students? I don't think this this statistic said nothing about international students. Okay. So I'm going to assume it is not. And I'm also not saying that all international students are Asian, by the way. I'm just I was just <laughs> <a> question. <laughs> there is a large African population at my college. So I <laughs> hear you. I was just question you know, there's just a question out there. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, no, unfortunately this is just a national um statistic that I am reading this off of. But actually okay. Thank you for future episodes of this particular, of our education deep dive. That's actually a good thing to remember. So thank you for that. Um, Black students often take on more student debt. Thing to remember, uh, about 72% of Black students take on student debt as compared to 51% of Hispanic students and 56% of white students. Let's also mention this. More white students finish a four-year degree within six years. That was a statistic I was not aware of until coming across it for this episode. Mm. Uh, and in terms of finishing a four-year call, a, a four-year degree in six years, white people top that at 72%. Black mm. people are the lowest, 46%, because they probably got talks from their mamas like I did, which said, you have four years to finish college. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> Let's get Period. your butt moving. <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't have time to play games. You have four years. This money train is not uh, uh, rolling down the tracks forever. And then uh, Hispanic students ring in at 56%. And then I think in terms of student spending at selective schools, yeah, it's two to five times higher than at the open access institutions and graduates over uh, and graduates earn over two million dollars more in their lifetime. So if you are a student who goes to a more selective school and you graduate, you generally it is projected that you make $2 million more than the than your college counterparts who went to a less selective school. I hope that I explained that clearly. Yeah, basically like if you're going to your local community college or your public high or your public university versus like Harvard, Yale, 
Exactly. Yes, definitely. And when we talk about the more selective and Ivy League schools, I don't think I'm sh- I'm surprising anyone to say Asian people, white people top the list in terms of uh, acceptance and full on attendance mm-hmm. as compared to African-American and Hispanic students that tend to go to less selective schools, but are more uh, affordable schools. So they're not and natives and natives. Oh, my God. Yes, I'm sorry. And natives. That those are the three that tend to go to quote. I hate the, the phrase less selective because that makes it sound like these schools are not as good. They're just not as expensive. So you're not as straddled. You're not as saddled with so much student debt because you do yeah. have to think about that. That's important going on into life. Um, and then here was another interesting statistic that I wanted to throw out. White Americans 25 and older hold bachelor degrees at higher rates than Black and Hispanic Americans. So Black Americans hold, uh, 19% of Black Americans have bachelor degrees. This statistic is quite small. 16% of Hispanic Americans hold bachelor degrees and 33% of white Americans hold bachelor's degrees. Hmm. And for Black students with a 3.5 GPA or better, nearly one third go to a community college as compared to 22% of white students with similar grades that go, that choose to go to a community college. Yeah. So those numbers, to me, speak to not just who can afford to go to college, but where people are choosing to go to college and what's more accessible to them. Yeah, and also um, admission requirements. Yeah, totally. I also didn't know this Uh, But came across this interesting, not so fun fact uh, when prepping this episode that the Trump administration reversed Obama era policies, encouraging universities to consider race as a factor in administration. Oh, I didn't realize that. I I didn't either. I I think because you and I are so we're not exactly looking to go to college. And I think that I didn't realize that because it didn't necessarily directly affect me. I went to college during this. Era. Oh, did you? Yeah, that's when I got my master's. Ah. Mm-hmm. Did uh, you, 2017. Did you notice this? That, no, but also my okay. degree is cultural studies. Oh, never mind. Okay. Yeah. You would, <laughs> Almost everybody <laughs> in my cohort was a person of color. Got it. Got it. Oh, got it. <laughs> Sorry. I sit corrected in asking that question. Uh, this was a fact that gave me pause because it um, – I guess it didn't directly affect me, mm. but also I i shouldn't be surprised that Donald Trump reversed anything that Obama did to uh, make yeah, life really in the world, you know, <laughs> a little bit easier for people of color. Um, but in terms of gender, let's switch gears for a second. Okay. Because I think male versus female attendance in colleges uh, has has low-key changed, and we might not have noticed it, but 56% of women make up college enrollment. So 50 years ago, 58% of U.S. colleges, of U.S. college students were men. Today, yeah. it's 56%. That source is the uh, education department, and it this estimate was from October 27, 2019, and by 2026, the department estimates 57% of college students will be women. Hey. I didn't realize that men were not attending college uh, to the same rate 
rates that women were. That's a shock for me. Me too. And I kind of wonder about other things like, um, you know, like depending on when they're going to college, like how mm-hmm. many men versus women were being born. Oh, you know, um, yeah, because I thought I remember hearing, you know, like at a certain time there was like more women being born than men or something like that. Mm. Or in the world, there were more women than men. So I'm kind of curious about that. I don't want to think about that, though, because I like the percentage. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's just continue with this last statistic, which mm-hmm. is 29.5 million women in the labor force had a minimum of a bachelor's degree. That is compared to 29.3 million men, according to an analysis by Pew Research. And so women ages 25 and older now account for more than half of the college-educated workforce. That percentage is exactly half at about 50.2%, which is an 11% increase from 2000. So women be outpacing men in the academic department is basically what this is saying. Yeah, that's what it looks like. And I don't think that this is a uh, coincidence because I think that those adages of of school sucks, anti-education, who needs it? Those adages are more common among young boys than they are among women. Have you seen night school? Yeah. Fair enough. That's a good comeback. I mean, and and this men's uh, not enrolling or not completing college, it's not exactly college's fault. I want to just put that out there. Um, The problem does start pretty young. And the problem, uh, as per The Atlantic, the problem has its origins as early as primary school only to be fueled later on by economic forces that discourage men from believing a degree is worth the time and money. (laughs) So in school, like I just said, like you tend to hear school sucks more from little boys than from little girls. And that's because little girls are faster learners. We pick up on things like reading and writing and counting faster, maybe not counting, but reading and writing faster <laughs> than young boys. That's not me trying to slight women and, and, a, and per, a perceived lack of math skills. That's actually just me looking at my notes here and not seeing that counting was one of the things that women excelled in quicker. And you know, what's, men. you know, what's ironic is that college and degrees were made for men. Like the college system was made for men. That and then all ironic. of a sudden they're like, Oh wait, girls learn faster than us maybe we should switch the narrative oh that is ironic oh wow i never thought about that huh food for thought okay okay i love that i'm gonna keep that uh, that penny in the pocket going forward because this disparity continues until the eighth or ninth grade Because generally, if you are a slow learner, let's say that you're a male slow learner and you hate school, you're going to probably continue to keep hating school Mm -hmm. up until the eighth or ninth grade, where you probably just sort of lose interest altogether in school and the academic process. Mm -hmm. 
And so many boys beyond that point perceive little benefit to even attending college, uh, especially considering the cost for a lot of young boys or for a lot of lower income boys uh, in places with economic inequality in particular, what one study has called the, quote, economic despair uh, of seeing little hope for financial advancement. Quote, they think, well, I could just start out working in the mall and in six years, the same as a classmate who open, who goes to college and whose first post-college job pays them less than what I'll be making, which yes. is not a crazy way of thinking. That's what I said about Starbucks, though. Yeah. It happens. Not a, not a bizarre way of thinking at all. And no shade to the men that feel like that. I can understand how that line of thinking makes sense, especially if if college for you has always felt sort of economically vague mm -hmm. or vague in terms of potential opportunities. And that's why most people go to community college because they did so terrible in high school that universities wouldn't accept them, but co uh, community college will, and they don't take test scores. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Or at huh. least the ones who put two and two together do that because that's who I see. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So I think, Excuse me, hiccup. So I think all of that said, um, women are superseding men in terms of education. But I think it's also important to mention that men are still out earning women. Yes. In the labor force. So just because we have all of this extra education doesn't necessarily mean it's boding well for us in terms of pay equity. Sad to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why we get master's degrees. <laughs> <laughs> so we can get that pay bump. We keep going. We, we keep more. going. <laughs> um, not going to get on a tangent about the the, the pay disparity because we still have a lot of work to do there. But I know that you have some crazy fun college secret sauce tips to share with our listeners. Yeah, and I will try not to weave it into future episodes. So I'm going to try to keep my barriers <laughs> up. But yes. Um, so things to think about that happen a lot in my office and outside my office is talking about, you know, specifically talking about all of these options and whether or not you should or shouldn't go to college, what your major should or shouldn't be, et cetera, et cetera, um, with someone that you trust. Some people have said they have a mentor. Some people said they have a really close relative, like a cousin or a sibling or other. Um, some people, you know, divulge everything to their coworker. I don't know if that's professional, but we'll we'll overlook that and or a friend or other. And so if you have someone that you feel really comfortable and confident talking to mm -hmm. and you know that they are not going to influence your decision to choose one thing or another, they will be your support person and they will be the person that will help you in deciding or discussing or other whether college is right for you, whether college is something that you want to do. Mm. And what would your career or life path be? Another thing is, if you don't even know what you want to do, you're like, I have no idea what I want to do. I don't even know what careers are out there in the world aside from doctor, lawyer, dentist, you know. Um, and that's okay. By the, by the way, there's a lot of people that are unsure of what direction they want their life to go in. I oh, just yeah. feel like I have to say that because yeah. we do live in a world where everyone, it feels like everyone is ambitious and a goal setter and follower. And if that's not you, that's okay. For sure. I can barely even keep up with a planner. Like, <laughs> I, 
I try to be like those people with the planners and looking all yeah. pretty, but I probably forget it most of the time. I just can't. Um, we'll I try. It. We'll work on it. Yeah, we'll work on it. But, you know, if you have no idea what you want to do, you don't even know what careers are out there. There's still careers that I don't know out there. And technically, I am a college advisor slash career coach. Um, look at what your strengths and weaknesses are. Think about what you believe that you are really good at and what you're not so great at. And then ask other people that you know what they think that you're really good at and what you're not so great at because you are your worst critic. Yeah. And so maybe you think you don't have any strengths, but if you ask sure. somebody else, they will list it off for you. And mm-hmm. you'd be like, Oh, I didn't even think that I, you know, had that great of skill. Like for me, they sure. were like, Oh, you're really good at active listening and you're really good at public speaking. And I was like, really? I, mm, okay. <laughs> Are you sure? Even though you host your own podcast and possibly might be hosting a second one. That's very funny, Katie. Okay. Yeah. No, I was a very shy person in high school. So. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. I've, I've come out of my shell in college. Um, <laughs> I guess that's a perk of college, maybe, but not probably not really. Um, Also looking at like your job opportunities. So if you're currently in a job, do you plan to stay in that job? Do you plan to be promoted and work your way up? Or do you want to do something completely different? Or if you don't even have a job, you know, what are the possible places that you're looking to apply for? And if you did get that job, would you stay there for a long time? Or is it kind of like your transition job? Well, that's a big and important question. Oh, I love that question. Lots of questions. Yeah, I um, the suggestion that you gave about reaching out to someone or people that you trust mm-hmm. to list off your strengths and weaknesses, I think that that's a really great tool, not just for if you want to go to college, but I think for life. Yeah. I think uh, as we get into adulthood, I think there's this assumption that adults have things figured out and, you know, we know our next moves and we know our transitions. And as an actress, I know I just reached out to a couple of my trusted colleagues because I'm in a weird spot age wise. And I'm like, mm. what's my acting type? What That's do you see? That's a whole nother discussion. As? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's that same, but the, uh, the reflex is the same. It's like, just ask a vulnerable question and just wait for the answer and trust me, they're probably not going to be terrible answers. They're probably going to be things that you've never thought about or seen in yourself Mm -hmm. that really stepping outside of yourself and asking someone outside of yourself um, is the best way to go because you can't be objective and subjective when you're talking about yourself at the same time or you're a sociopath, one of the two. (laughs) Um, That was a very, very deep end. Just saying. (laughs) Just saying. So to to, to end this uh, episode, end this conversation, we generally do a call to action, but I think the better question is to pose to each other is, do you need college to be successful? No. Thoughts? Okay. You go first. You say no. Look at Oprah. (laughs) Just look at Oprah. (laughs) That's real. That's real. I think, though, that my counter to that is I don't think we can look at exceptions. As, oh, for sure. As like, that's the way to go. It's like, look at. LeBron. Oh, yeah. No, He's don't do what LeBron. Oprah did. I'm just saying. <laughs> no, no. Oprah's like that the top. That was a big role. You know, she the definitely top of this. Yeah. Of this yeah, topic. For sure. <laughs> She's like the top example to look at. But don't do what she does. <laughs> for sure. I am. I think. Do I think you need college to be successful? No, I don't. Though I feel like if you are in any way, shape, or form on the fence about attending college, I think it's important to lean into that feeling. Yes. And I think it's important to figure out why you feel like that. I think in 2021 and beyond, I think that the pandemic has completely skewed our education system, but also Mm -hmm. it's going to skew our potential work 
options going forward. Yeah. And so I am curious to, to know how beneficial college degrees are coming out of the other side of the pandemic with so much, with so much of our world going virtual, being online. And if you have computer skills and if you are good at working in the virtual realm, that might be the better place for you. Yeah. And that's been a question that's come up a lot in my STEM majors is taking lab classes online. And what's your reaction to that? Like, what do you say to those students? I mean, there are college degrees in STEM that are online or at predominantly online schools. Like if you like my prime example is always Western Governors University, uh, mm. WGU. It's the commercial with the owl in the glasses. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a whole technology section and they also have a nursing, a bunch of nursing degrees. Mm. And those both require a lot of science lab classes and students in those fields are super successful. But also, you know, you got to factor in, do they already work in the field? Because that would be another factor. But it's definitely doable. It's already been done before. Um, Whether, you know, these new formats and everybody, all the in-person schools are transitioning to this, whether those professors are successfully teaching the same content. Sure. That's a whole nother question. (laughs) Yes, that's valid. That's valid. But yeah. Yeah. I think, do you need college to be successful? No. I did not go to college to have a podcast. Uh, This was just a wonderful, you know what I mean? It's a wonderful Mm -hmm. side product project. And um, I think when it comes to college, I think it's also important to ask yourself what you're looking to get out of college. Yes. Nobody asked that. Yeah. And I think it's a really important question. What are you hoping to get out of college? I was very clear from the jump. My college degree ain't going to get me a job in commercials. It's not going to book me a role in a movie. It's not going to make me a series regular on your favorite television show. I was very aware of that. So I was pretty confident and open about the fact that I wanted to go and have the, quote, college experience. Yes. Which, you know, I think that means different things for different people. For me, that meant living away from my parents, partying and having a good time when and how I wanted to. And also I think meeting just really amazing people. Yeah. Remain my friends for the rest of my life. But same. Did I go to college to be successful? Not exactly. No. And I would say a lot of, I mean, we were talking about this before, but one of the big tips that I give my students is if you're undecided and you would rather try working first, go for it. It doesn't mean college is off the table because people go to college in their 50s and 60s. I mean, you might feel like you're going to be judged for it, but don't because people do it all the time. People change their majors and their careers all the time. And yeah, and some and certain careers will actually pay you to go to school for your degree. So you don't have to apply for financial aid. You don't have to take out student loans. They will pay you to get your entire bachelor degree. Not every company, but there are some. That's dope. I'm just Mm going to say and put that out there. That's awesome. And definitely colleges don't want you knowing that little tidbit. (laughs) So I'm glad that you made it known to our listeners. Well, that's our episode, everyone. Thank you, Katie. First episode, half guest, half co-host. But this has been a great episode. If you guys 
were feeling this content. If you were feeling Katie, if you want more from Katie and more kinds of content like this, or if you need some, some, some not financial guidance, if you need some education guidance yes. and you want to reach out to Katie directly, look, we are here for you. Uh, if you love what you heard, if you want to tell us about your college decision-making experiences, or you want to tell us that you're failing Katie and you want her to stick around, yes. reach out to us. We are on the gram at Black and Yellow Podcast, or you can send us an email if that's more your speed, uh, podcastblackandyellow at gmail.com. We're both also on the gram. I'm Alana Webster. If you want to DM me your deepest, darkest secrets, you can find me at Renegade of Fun. And I'm on Instagram at Disvillain Scholar. <laughs> Wonder you can't why. Laugh at that. <laughs> I will drop links to both of our contacts in the show notes. Also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, and tell a friend about this episode about this show. It helps to keep us pushing this little show that could forward. We are in our fourth year, only going oh. stronger and getting better. Thanks to you, lovely listeners. We'll be back for another episode next week, and you don't want to miss it because we are going to be talking about all that testing that we have to do to get into college. Some uh. call it standardized testing. I call it standardized racism and classism. Y'all heard that. We will be back next week. Happy year of the ox. If you are an ox, stay oxy, y'all. Bye.